The views and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entity or organizations. You are listening to the podcast, Tea and Talk, presented to inform, educate, inspire, and encourage meaningful conversations on Bahamian arts and culture. My name is Robert Bain, dancer, teacher, choreographer, and someone who believes in the preservation of all things Bahamian. I am sitting down with persons of like mind to discuss the Bahamian perspective on the arts and the Bahamian way. Now, let's welcome our guest. Welcome and welcome to another podcast. My name is Robert Bain and you know, um, I'm, I'm getting the hang of this thing, you know. I'm having fun with this. Uh, today, uh, this podcast, like always, is coming from Nassau, Bahamas. It's a rainy day in Nassau. Uh, it's uh, uh, we're getting showers of blessings, I call it. But you know, you know, this podcast is uh, like I always say, it was created for the artists. Uh, we get an opportunity to express ourselves, and hopefully, at the end of this podcast, everyone that's listening uh, will be much smarter. So that's about that's tea and talk. Uh, you know, we normally share a cup of tea with with the guests and uh, today we're having my favorite of course uh, uh, ginger and lemongrass tea um, and uh, I'm not a doctor so I'm not giving you any advice but they say that uh, it aids in digestion it relieves tummy cramps it prevents uh, nausea uh, it's a good remedy for colds and coughs it prevents bloating and anti-inflammatory it has uh, great anti-inflammatory properties uh, so yeah but Today is a very special day, as all podcasts are for me, and I am delighted to have with me today my friend for many, many years, Dr. Joanne Callender. Now, I've known Joanne for a very, very long time, and I think I might have met her before, I'm thinking, because I think uh, when I first met, I think it was Sammy Swain in, in 1983, but I could have made contact with her before because you know what, her daughter Jody was actually my first dance student here in Nassau. I actually taught her at my house. Jody, don't kill me, okay? <laughs> but, uh, yes, so I, I've known Joanne um, from about 19, 1983, just about the time I came uh, back home. Um, and we did Sammy Swain, and I've known her through the years. And she's one of those persons that I'm, I, I'm you know, I'm talking to always. We're, we're both, we're kind of uh, connected in a certain way, a spiritual way. Uh, we're both artists. Um, we feel things. Um, and uh, we're creative beings. And um, so we share a lot. And um, Joanne, welcome to Tea and talk. Thank you, Robert. It's really a pleasure being here with you. I was looking forward to it. I'm glad to be here. This I, is good. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. I've kind of been waiting on that day, man. I said, God, yeah, she can come soon. She can come soon. <laughs> you know. But I know that you are. You are a very busy lady. Uh, I know that you have your duties at the university. Uh, it's one of the yes. uh, the lectures there at the university. You've been keeping very busy. Um, but. There's so much that I want to talk to you about, and uh, 
Nice. Um, the thing, the first thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, and we'll get to the the the, the, the doctorate thing, which is so wonderful. I'm so happy for you when I when I heard about it. I was just just so excited for you. Uh, well deserved. But I wanted to talk about something that's close to your heart, something that you've been working on for quite a number of years. Um, and you, uh, well, let's say you are the uh, granddaughter-in-law of, exactly. <laughs> of Timothy Gibson. Yeah, yeah. The gentleman that wrote the national anthem for this beautiful country. Yes. We're now celebrating 50 years and you know you've been hearing the national anthem during the whole uh, during the whole event and you will always hear it but he is actually the composer of that national anthem and like I said to somebody yesterday everywhere that I've traveled in the world and uh, to represent this country and that national anthem has been played they always uh, make comments of it that it was well written um, it was well done. Everything about it was well done, and it's a beautiful national anthem. So I don't know how many Bahamians are aware of that. Um, it's always nice when you hear it play by the marching band, but it's even nicer when you hear it played by a full orchestra. Yes. Joanne, tell us about Timothy Gibson. Tell us, we know that we know of those persons who know of Timothy Gibson, they know that he was, he was an educator. He was a brilliant man. He possessed many gifts and talents. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> you are now embarking on a project, yes. which you have been uh, for, for a little while, uh, um, documenting, uh, documenting his life. His life. Yeah. It's a documentary film. Uh, I actually started out trying to do a book, and then I realized that there were not that many people still alive who would have known enough for me to write a book. And then I started after that, I said, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll do a book that's 101 things you didn't know about Timothy Gibson, the composer of the National Anthem. Well, after I interviewed a few people, um, when I changed from the book to the documentary film, I am well into 100 and something things you didn't know about Timothy Gibson. One of the things that I will share, because I was thinking it as I was preparing mentally for this, I said, I have to be careful that I don't share too much stuff. That's right. Um, just give it a little taste. But one of the first things I found out was that he didn't have a middle name. His <laughs> name is Timothy Gibson. Really? Yeah. And his mom used to call him Timbo, beautiful Tim. Uh-huh. And um, they always said, you know, he was born in, in Eleuthera. And they always said that he was the favorite. And um, there's a quick story that's told. He was very obedient. He was always by his mom's side. And they were going to another settlement. They were in a boat. And he was sitting opposite her, just having a good time and enjoying, you know, just being on the boat and on the water, which he loved. And the sail started to fall. And she said, Timbo. And because he was so obedient, he ran to her immediately and it fell right after he moved. And he was, if he was not an obedient child, he would have been gone or wow. he would have been really severely injured. So she, she adored him as her, as her baby. And it was good getting to know, let me start from the beginning. I started doing this work in 2005. 
And like I said, I started wanting to do a book, and then I changed to the book of 101, and then I changed to a documentary film. Because what I wanted to do was include some of his music in it. And in a book, you can't do that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, Lee owned his, all of his music. And so I had free reign to everything I wanted to do with the music. And I started going through them myself because this is my documentary film. And what I decided to do, I would interview people, like a sit-down chat thing, not like ask people questions, you answer, not like that. Just let people talk. And I sent them questions like the day before, the night before, I would send them questions on what I would want them to answer and all of that. And then they would come to the studio um, when I finally did go to a studio. And I decided to do the interviews and do music videos of his songs, make them, bring them forward, as they call it, bring them forward so that everything seems current and not, you know, like laid back the way it was when he probably first wrote them. I sang for Mr. Gibson when I was, I think I was eight or nine years old. <laughs> My mother, excuse me. Yeah. Eight, eight or nine years old. Wow. Yeah. I was singing from I was three years old, so I was a veteran by then. Mm -hmm. But my mom was the pianist for his band, and he, he really loved her so much in her playing that he said he wanted her to be a teacher in the government schools. Um, before we go on with Mr. Gibson, tell um, your mother. Um, tell us about your mother. Who's your mother? My mother is Bernita Melva Moxie DeVoe. Hitchman. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> yeah. She, she is from Ragged Island, Ragged Island. Of course. Edmund Moxie was her favorite um, nephew. Uh -huh. And um, she comes from the Moxie clan. She comes from the Lockhart clan Lockhart, as well. Yes. And Wilson, her dad was Wilson. Okay. And um, she was a pianist, organist, choir director. She put groups together. She taught me how to sing. Okay. That, that was who was my first voice teacher. Excellent. And she taught me, like I said, when I was three years old, and um, all the things to do with pronouncing the words correctly and actually putting feeling into your singing and stuff. She taught me things that some of my teachers that I uh, um, went to in the universities, they never even spoke of, ah. which was most amazing. Yes. That this woman who really didn't have any formal um, teaching could teach me something so deep. And um, so she knew Mr. Gibson. He really cared for her. And he said he loved the way she worked with the children in, in, in church. Okay. And um, she was a Seventh-day Adventist. And um, so he, he spoke for her to get a job at the Ministry of Education. She got the job. He showed her how to teach children in an easy way. He was with her. He went to visit her once a week for a month. And then he released her into the school and she grew, she retired from there 33 years later, wow. the same school. Mm -hmm. And she saw children and grandchildren. Which school was that? This was William Gordon Primary. William Gordon it was Primary. Southern Junior, I think it was. Okay. Collins Avenue. Collins Avenue. Yeah. Wow. I remember walking there many Fridays from Bahamas Academy on Wolf Road mm -hmm. down to Southern. And um, she would have fries and chicken wings for us. <laughs> and then we would walk home because they got out at three. We got out at 12. Yes. 
But um, she was a wonderful human being. She was a great musician. She not only had her children, she taught the choirs, of course, several instruments. And then she not only did productions at Easter when school was closing and Christmas, she also sold the costumes because mm. she was a seamstress as well. Wow. So she was a very, very gifted woman. I learned so much from her. I think that is probably, she understood me as, I'm a twin. Um, my twin recently passed, but she was the person who understood that I was different. Right. And she sewed my clothing the way I wanted them <laughs> because I, I had my own styles yeah. of everything. Yeah. And even back then, I would mix her perfumes and her lotions to have a different fragrance. And I was unique, I guess you would call it, from <laughs> then. I did my own thing. Yeah. And she allowed me. And that was a, that was a wonderful thing that I learned from her. Yeah, that same to, to, to go into your bloodline, the, the Lockhart's and the Marks, the, the music and the, that sort of thing. But Timothy Gibson, you said at, at age, age, Eight, between it was eight, nine, or ten. Yeah, and then your mom. You said he select your mom to play with his in his. Yes. Yeah. Well, she took me by him because of because of their um, relationship, mm -hmm. and she says, "Okay." She dressed me up like I was going to church, mm -hmm. and she says, "Okay, I'm taking you to see Mr. Gibson. He is Bahamian royalty." Say, so you know the Queen? She said, <laughs> "Yeah, but he is Bahamian royalty." And I was a little nervous uh -huh, uh -huh. driving to the house Dean's Lane. And then we got up and he was six feet tall, six feet two, actually. And I won't tell you how many pounds that'll be in, that'll be in the documentary film. Yeah. But he was um, a very lean person who, who could have been a model today. Mm -hmm. And um, he welcomed us into his house. And then he sat down and his face was so, so kind. You know, he was so welcoming in the way he called my name mm -hmm. and said it was lovely for me to come. And what am I going to sing for him? Of course, I don't remember. But I sang two songs for him. And then when I was finished, he got up from a chair because he was sitting in something like a huge chair. Mm -hmm. And he got up and he came and he stooped down in front of me. And he spoke to me in the most gentle tones and told me, what I would be able to do in my life, in my future, with the voice that I was given. And he was just so, so encouraging. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to do some things great yes. in the world. Yes. Because he heard it. And if he's supposed to be Bahamian royalty, for sure he was correct. And because he had heard so many other school children sing, then he recognized and he validated my gift. Awesome. And that... That so impacted me when we got in the car and we waved bye to him. I couldn't even talk. On the way home, I said nothing to my mother. She just smiled. I said nothing. I was just so, so, it was just such a wonderful experience being in the presence of somebody so great but so gracious. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm thinking because... I think about Mr. Gibson, and I think about uh, persons like him. And back in his time, there were lots of persons like him. I think they were brought up a certain way. They were brought up to uh, a mm -hmm. certain way. Uh, they were educated. They were, they were education was introduced to them in a certain way. It had a certain level of of of, um, of value. Um, 
they they knew how to do just about everything because the parents would say, "Well, go down to Mr. Smith there, and and you don't know you you don't know why you're going there, but Mr. Smith can <laughs> teach you how to sew, or he's gonna do uh, he's gonna teach you to do." Because a lot of the great Bahamians that I've that I've heard of, they did they they were seamstresses, uh, uh, sorry, uh, tailors, tailors and, yeah. and even the the females. They did a lot of other things. The parents wanted to make sure that they were prepared for the future ahead. They didn't know what their child was going to encounter, but they made sure that they knew how to survive. And 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 with that came a level of dignity, yes. and that dignity is something that they carried with them, uh, you know, because I see that in my family as well, you know, okay. and I think, I think persons have, um, I think for many years, the fact that we had, we're connected to the, the British monarchy in a certain way, being a co- colonial country, being, um, uh, being a part of that in, in a way, I think uh, black Bahamians looking in that direction. I think there are certain uh, things that we have adopted. I, I, I mm. remembered, uh, the, I mean, even the way that we dressed. Uh, yes. Somebody uh, once said to me, I think it was Kayla and I went to, to, to and both of I, you and I, we always talk about Kayla. We, we, we love Kayla. Of course. Uh, yeah. Um, but we went somewhere and the person say, you guys are really British. You're wearing a a jacket in this heat. Why did you wear? Weren't you wearing something else? You know. Yeah. But we have adapted uh, some of their lifestyles. The yes. way we, we we drink tea and 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 all this stuff. We 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 have acquired it. And I remember back in the day, the day um, my grandmother, for for example, uh, my father's mother, she was very dicty. I always say, and had that you know. And I love and, that word. And she would have all the children come to the house at a certain time. It was during Christmas time because her birthday was around that time. Then it was Easter time. You go there, and she will take out all the good china. Yeah. And we had to dress a certain way, and, and you know. So I think there was something um, innate or how they were brought up, uh, uh, and. Uh, and but uh, Mr. Gibson, I've learned uh, learned well. I know very little about him, uh, but what I've heard about him is that he had that he was a very classy man. He was very absolutely uh, dignified gentleman. Yes, and um, and I think always yes yeah. yes. I, I've heard when he that. walked in the room, you felt a change. He had a yes. presence that yes. he carried yes. at they, all times, yes. and um, he was even though his he was like that. His heart was 100% Bahamian. Yes. He loved this country. You know, I told you I have, I have the honor of um, carrying some of his daily planners and diaries, which his um, granddaughter has allowed me to keep while I'm doing this work. And I read, when I first picked them up from her, there are 11 of them. Mm-hmm. And when I first picked them up, that was a Friday, and I didn't stop reading until that Monday. And I could feel his presence in the room. I had them all all around me on the bed. And I could just feel him there. And it was like he was standing there and smiling because he knew somebody was going to tell his story. And I, I, I'm glad it was me because, you know, I ended up marrying his grandson, right. Lee Callender, pianist. And that was Lee's first piano teacher. Mm-hmm. He taught Lee how to play the piano. 
And Lee was the only one who carried it on. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, he adored his playing and Lee, his grandfather could do no wrong in his sight. <laughs> he was he was all in all for him, yes, you know. Yes. But Mr. Gibson, he, he was so passionate about God, his his family and the Bahamas in that order. Yes. And he wrote that several places in his books. And in going through his books, what was so fascinating, you know, they had these, these uh, what, eight and a half by 11, these long brown thick books mm -hmm. where they would write their students' names and then they would write the grade for each, each test they had. And when I looked in there, I saw some Milo Butler. Well, of course he wasn't sir yet. Milo Butler was there, and um, Lyndon Pinlin was also one of his students. And later on in one of his books, he was writing, uh, he was so pleased with Lyndon Pinling's progress with the piano. And I don't think anybody ever knew he played piano. Well, there's a lot, lot of, lot of um, history. Yes. That prime minister we had was a special prime minister. He was. He, he was an amazing man. Mm -hmm. And... Um, if you, um, I mentioned earlier that my book uh, is coming out. Um, I just want to just give a little plug right now. It's of course. Gonna, it's going to be released in, in, in November. It's called Profiles of Bahamian Dance, The Dance and the Dancers. And uh, you will discover a, a, a surprise. Because um, a lot of persons didn't know that Selinden also danced. I, I believe it. He was into <laughs> the arts. That is probably why he was the type of prime minister he was. Somebody who knew how to speak, who knew how to carry his voice when he wanted to bring it down for, for that feeling that he would touch everybody's heart, yes, but yes. yet he could be strong and he was a world leader because he was the leader of our nation. He was chosen for a time. Yes. For the time that he... In the correct time and the, season. The correct time yes. and season, yes. Yeah, and he came up through the arts so that he could have a sensitivity because all of that makes you a different person, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, makes you communicate differently and feel things differently. You know, we just did a podcast on, on um, art integration, um, integrating the arts, uh, you know, in education and the type of, of outcome, you know, we get from mm -hmm. students who are, you know, involved in the arts. I'm not going to talk about that very much. You can, they can listen. You can listen to the podcast. Um, but <clears throat> he possessed those qualities. He were he was a part of that, and he possessed those qualities, and that made him a very, very unique person, yes. very exposed person in certain not in one aspect, not just academia, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, other aspects of life, of yes. the arts. Um, one there's um, somebody made the comment. Uh, they, they were trying to describe the arts and what the art really is. And he said, the arts, it's superior learning, superior education. Wow, wow. And that blew me. I'm just like, I never thought of it like <laughs> that. But anybody that actually involved themselves mm -hmm. in the art, there's a different kind of outcome. Yes. You know, that's, yeah. you know. We feel life differently, actually. We live life differently. Um, like, when I look sometimes in the papers and I see different things that are happening in the nation, I rejoice um, a lot of times, and then a lot of times I'm sad. Yeah. And I actually grieve as if the person or whatever is related to me. And that's because, you know, our souls seem to be a little more, I don't know, alive, easy to touch, 
than, you know, maybe the other person next to you. Yeah. And I think it's because we have to reach so deep in what we do. Me, a singer, you, a dancer. And when I first saw you dance, oh, I was totally blown away. And that was in the early 80s. <laughs> yes, I remember that well. Because I'd never seen a Bahamian. They said, oh, see, he's Bahamian. And I said, really? I was so impressed and so so happy that we had somebody here that belonged to us, you know, yes. that could do it. And, um, yeah, it was a, an amazing thing growing up and knowing Mr. Gibson because every time the Queen came... He would write a song for the school choirs to be to join together to sing. And I think we sang, we practiced maybe once or twice. And we definitely practiced the day before the Queen came and we were on Fort Charlotte. And he would write this special song and it was like everybody in school in the choir said, did Mr. Gibson write the song yet? Did he send it yet? <laughs> we would be so excited with our music teacher mm -hmm. to find out if Mr. Gibson wrote, Mr. Gibson wrote the song. And did he send it yet? Because we wanted to hear it. Because it was always so, so very beautiful. And then, of course, he started writing songs about the nation, like a lot of people don't know that he wrote Zappadilly Woman, one of my favorite Bahamian songs. And, of course, that's going to be one of the, another highlight in the documentary film. I am getting the as many young people involved in it as possible, young singers and artists and instrumentalists, because I think it is because these things are not always in our eyes in terms of TV and recognizing who's doing what in our nation, that we don't always see what wealth we have in our young people. And therefore, the fire is not, it, is, it hasn't been fanned as it should be, because people who are in high school now if they knew there was a Gifton Jellin here when he was 15 playing the trumpet the way he did, I'm sure some of those guys, and maybe girls, would say, wow, he sounds so good. I could do that. I know I could do that. Right. You know, and if they could play a horn in Junkanoo, I'm sure that they would believe that they could play the trumpet or the saxophone. Right. And I think a lot of times it's because they don't see it constantly. Right. You believe what you constantly see right. and hear. And Gifton is one of the people, and there are some other young people that I'm featuring in um, Sapadilly Woman and in Nassau Moon, which, of course, is Mr. Gibson's song of how he loved the moon. And he talked about it, actually how it it reflected on the waters. He, he really loved the water. We loved, We did that. The company did a piece yes. uh, a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, I think it was sang, either you sang it or Kayla sang it. Uh, uh, Nassau Moon, I na sang it. You sang it. With the National Youth Choir. Okay, that's it. Yeah. You did it. We yeah. did We did a piece of choreography, and it was just a, such a beautiful piece. Uh, I remember redoing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, a lot of persons, you know, and I'm glad you were mentioning some of these songs because persons sometimes just... Um, just pin Mr. Gibson to the national to anthem, anthem. Mm -hmm. but he did more than just the national anthem. Yes, and and like you, 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 you talked about him writing songs for the for the schools and the choir, but I realized that too that Mr. Gibson existed in a time. <laughs> yeah, I guess when the arts were was not as well, you know, 
as it is now, I mean, exposed as it is, mm-hmm. but I think he brought an awareness. I think yes, persons like did. him him and Mita Kamabach, uh Davis mm-hmm. brought, brought an awareness. Certainly. Uh, um, and especially him in terms of, you know, I think his, his, his uh, that national anthem was, I mean, well, I mean, he existed before. Yes. Uh, uh, but the national anthem uh, really brought uh, notoriety in a sense. Uh, yes. Where people became aware, um, wanted to know more about this this gentleman. Yes. And that I think it's important now that that the the, the everybody uh, know about uh, Mr. Gibson because it's important that we understand the the past so we could so we could comfortably go into the future. Mm-hmm. And I want to say for persons listening out there that you know this project that that, that Joanne is doing, it, it's 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 it requires it, it requires some help. You know, uh, she needs funding for it. Yes, and it, it, it's a big project because I, I remember her talking about it initially, and I'm going like, wow, that's a lot. Uh, we're talking <laughs> about um, audiovisual. We're talking about uh, edit, everything that it that requires to make it successful. Uh, it it requires it, it it circles when you circle it around, it comes back to dollars and cents, and yes. so she needs that assistance. So if you are uh, in a feeling in a kind way and want to make a contribution uh, to her project, you can reach out to her. Is there a contact, uh, an email address? That they yes, can? you can reach me on Facebook, Joanne Calendar. And also, I am Joanne Calendar at hotmail.com. Go on my Facebook to get the right spelling of my name. But I'm on Hotmail at Hotmail. And you can reach me, like I say, the easiest place to reach me is Facebook. Join me for a continuation of my discussion with Dr. Joanne Callender. You're listening to Tea and Talk. The views and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entity or organizations.